0: Welcome
1: to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I am honored, humbled to have Sherry Cannon uh, as a guest on my show. I got to know Sherry through one of the courses that I took through the ADD Coach Academy, and she was one of our teachers. And through our journey and conversations together, um, I am in awe of what she's done in her history of her professional career and just inspired of the way she has managed her ADHD through it all. And so without further ado, I mean, I could go on on this, but I want her to do her intro <laughs> and do justice to it. And so without further ado, here's Sherry. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you, Kathy. It's so great to be
2: here. I equally pleased to be with you and with all your listeners. Uh, so let's see. The introduction that uh, does me justice, I think that's what you said. Uh, I uh, spent a decade, my first decade with, uh, out of college at Procter & Gamble selling soap, cleanser, and fabric softener to grocery stores, then to headquarters, uh, moved up that ladder five times in the 10 years and uh, uh, went from being a sales rep on the street uh, running a consumer division uh, for the company, uh, one of the largest in, in Southern California. And when I left, uh, when I left that, I left knowing that it wasn't flourishing me, it wasn't fulfilling me anymore, but it had been a great run. And and from it, I took that experience of being at Procter and Gamble, uh, carried it forward as kind of my MBA because I had a liberal arts degree. Basically, I was you know that's how I came into the the corporate world. So I carried that forward, and I began partnering immediately, doing consulting and sales, change management work with groups. Uh, spent a, a period of time traveling. Traveling North America and uh, delivering workshops on communication skills and leadership, which I think of as kind of boot camp for anything that can happen. <laughs> it can happen in a hotel room with four hundred people in the in the audience. So it was kind of my my sweet spot for training, and uh, and then all of that kind of led me to a natural place for my brain. Now that I think about it, and that was that it led me into Silicon Valley. And as I got there and started working with companies and employees who moved fast, who thought fast, who you know thought creatively, where innovation was, for the most part, really far more encouraged than the um, conventional kind of places that I had come from, I really found kind of like my people uh, that evolved into personal development courses, leadership team, you know, custom work uh, and executive coaching. Uh, and then lastly, I, I guess once coaching started having its own name, you know, and we started to recognize that you could have a, a, an executive coach, a business coach, uh, any kind of coach. Uh, that was the point where I could look at my folks that had been, had kind of gravitated to me and me to them. And I, I saw that hmm, we were similar in a, a lot of ways. And one of the ways that we were similar was that in the end, a lot of us shared ADHD. Um, when, I, when I decided to figure that out for myself, I was in the midst of Silicon Valley doing a lot of consultant and coaching work. And I, I learned about it. I, I incorporated some of that knowledge. Uh, it would take another 10 years before I actually stopped (laughs) and looked at what that meant and I'm happy to talk about any of that with you what it led me to which is exciting for me now and how we met uh, is that it's brought me full circle to a place where there is no compartmentalizing of my world anymore because I'm now teaching at the uh, ADHD Coach Academy that I graduated from, which is just very fulfilling. I'm doing mentor coaching for new coaches who are uh, on their way to becoming ADHD coaches. And I continue to specialize in both executive function. That can be executives, leaders, managers um, who really uh, excel in ways that they know if they can let it go, they excel. And, and the, some of the areas that are really challenging end up being areas that they either need support or they at least need awareness in. So that's kind of a neurotypical land. And the rest are a lot of creative and smart, smart leaders who have ADHD, suspect they do, uh, and and really want to cut loose all the, the goodness that goes with that. And they can be entrepreneurs or, or in their, in a workplace. So that's that's where I am now. And that brought me to you.
1: Awesome, thank you. So as I said, she's a wealth of knowledge and experience. So thank you for sharing that um, beautiful timeline of all those amazing things. And by now, after having a few guests and a lot of conversations with others, other successful people with ADHD, I, um, it's becoming normal for me to hear the successes of, of those who have really embraced their brain And have done so many things. So it's no longer where before I was like, how do they do that? How do they do this and that and the other and then, you know, climb the corporate ladder? But there's something uh, intuitively in them that they've tapped into. And it sounds like you were able to do that in the first few years of your career. So you tapped into that inner genius of yours and you were able to climb up that ladder. So, with that, I wanna ask, imagine that that first decade of your career as a young woman, how did you maneuver that going up the corporate ladder? Because that takes a lot of discipline, emotional regulation, all of that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: did you do it? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, here, I, I
2: think that the magic first is that <laughs> I, I walked myself on college campus over to the business school, primarily because my then fiance had the opinion that I would not make any money as a writer. <laughs> and so I believed it. Um, I just knew that if I, if I didn't go out and pursue that, that it would have to be something very I think I knew it had to be relational. And so I went in and started interviewing. I signed up for the, all the sales companies that were interviewing there, right? And that included a whole lot of stuff. Um the 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 Procter and Gamble interview was especially tangible. You know, I, I understood a can of comic cleanser. I understood a bar of ivory soap. And and I I had grown up, Kathy, with uh, a, a, a really uh an old German uh, uh stoic work ethic. And so what I knew how to do was to work really hard. Ooh. And I think Although I would have not told you this then, I think the structure of the organization, because uh, commissions were, we didn't do commission, the whole team was rewarded. So I wasn't, I wasn't entering a, you know, a competitive against the people around me. We were working together. Um, It was active and it gave me a way to be in my car for those first two years, you know, driving, seeing, building relationships. Those are real things I love. So early in, There was enough, there was quite a lot actually, you know, to kind of grab onto and,
1: and, and succeed in. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were very self-aware and knew what you liked to do. So, so you fell into something that kind of. I think,
0: I think I'm aware now. (laughs) Sorry, I think I'm aware now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then.
2: uh, Boy. I'm not sure how aware I would say I was then. I think there was some luck to it. Yeah. And and there was definitely, in fact, there was a lot of luck. It could have been, it could have gone a lot of ways. And in that case, the first place I landed was a place that only hired from within, that developed its people from within. Mm -hmm. And that was the the first investment, right, that the leaders above me made in me.
1: which reminds me of the book uh, the outliers by Malcolm Gladwell that talks about you know right place right time right age right season all of that stuff you know Bill Gates and being at a university that had the biggest server in the world so he was able to thrive there so that makes sense so then so my observation of that is um, and you know Lucky you, I want to say first, is to be able to. Uh, but you know what it is, though? It's you put yourself out there. You took the chance and you didn't listen to the, oh, should I apply? Shouldn't I apply? So there is that inner strength in you that you at least went with it. True.
2: My mother wanted me to sign up for art school and stay home, living at home, <laughs> because wow. she drew well. So I, I will accept that, that there was... I, what, what did get in was that there was a college prep environment around me in the mm-hmm. in the high school I was at, and so there was a wave of people right who were going forward. And uh, you're right, you're right. When I put myself out there, I had some rejections, of course. You know, I had interviews that didn't turn into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at all kinds of things like social work, psychology, um, all kinds of things, and. It ended up being that, that that gave me the way. I was also motivated, by the way, to leave the Midwest part of the U.S. and get to California, which is where I live now. And my, by that point, the boyfriend, fiance, had become a husband, and he had a job. So I also had a very um, specific target, which was uh, I'm, I want to move with an income. And so I have to say it was motivating. Because yeah. I knew how to do that. I knew how to talk to people locally. If we'd moved first,
1: I, I that would have been a, a harder thing. hmm Yeah. So so one thing I wanna humbly interject here in this is for our listeners is when an ADHD brain has the motivation, the inspiration, you, you can move mountains. So in this case with, with Sherry, the way she's explaining, there was there was the money, there there was the moving across country. So She had so much of that in place that it's like, there's no stopping me. And I always say in times when we make decisions like that is when logically, emotionally, and intuitively, we're all aligned in these three areas Mm -hmm. that nothing can stop us. Right. So it almost gives me goosebumps. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so way to go on that. So, so for the listeners, whenever it comes to decision making, what is that motivation? What is that interest? And how do you line it up that no one can get in your way? So if her friends, her family said, "Don't do it," she is so aligned in this decision that nothing can get in the way. Yeah. So then, then the rest of the journey goes forward to the corporate ladder and climbing all of that. Now, here's the thing: I that I resonate with that because I kind of went through that same experience in the organizations that I've worked at. Um, but then. The tipping point happens for all of us because we're just so go, 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 and so much giving and so much caring. And I've always said, I've had leaders that tell me, Kathy, you care too much, slow down, don't care so much, (laughs) or, you know, you don't have to fix everything. So there's a point where that transition of, oh, I, I think my brain is ADHD brain. What were the thoughts that went through your head? Because you said you went into Silicon Valley and you started to resonate with some of these these folks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What was that journey? What was that realization like?
0: Uh, it's a great question. Um, I think it was. I think it was that I I began to experience
2: um, uh, uh, people who were who were more willing in the moment to to uh to participate in class to say well and to be vulnerable i definitely experienced i was also leading uh, a particular experience a workshop that was about uh you know it was personal transformation kind of stuff and it required vulnerability i craved to model vulnerability because it it feels like the only way to learn for me and Mm -hmm. i think i got rewarded by the universe for that, and that uh, engineers, finance people, uh, uh, code jockeys, you know, people uh, people who volunteered and came to this class would, would follow their own ways of learning. And, you know, for some of them, that meant they had to move around a lot in the class. They couldn't sit still. I started taking Play-Doh and uh, pipe cleaners to every class because I knew I wouldn't sit for two and a half days without kind of going nuts. And I started to see, Kathy, that every time that I flew home from Silicon Valley, I was coming home with these, like, amazing pieces of art as if I had small children, you know, that had just (laughs) made me gifts. One woman asked me on the airplane once, are you a teacher? (laughs) And it was because I had entire groups of people who would sit around a table and, while participating, be creating something amazing. And I began to see we have so many ways to learn and they were they were opening themselves up mm-hmm. um, so it was also it was another intersection of I, I was i was leading something that i was if you know if at all i was like right with my learners it was self exploration and i had a great heart for the fact that you're putting your butt in a seat and you're going to be here i'm going to make this fun and th- it was a creative Uh, no mistakes were possible in a kind of environment. And um, people ended up working together and asking for help and setting big goals. A lot of people, not a lot. Some ended up leaving the organization and the organization was fine with it because they were actually deciding, who am I? Nice.
1: Uh, Yeah. Nice. So then back to the question of you resonated with them then oh, this is this this is my brain. <laughs> what are the emotions that went through you as you realized your ADHD brain?
2: Well, my people are here, but I've never found my people before. <laughs> Let's see. Um I the emotions I think were that I had learned earlier to hide. I'd learned to hide the stuff that felt clunky. And awkward like like the things that didn't process quickly for me or that became real hairballs mentally for me i would learned to, to either uh, give that stuff to somebody else if possible or go behind a door somewhere you know and and work through try to work through it so basically, basically I was isolating with anything that I couldn't just like succeed with right and As as I when I was when I was in this sweet spot, you know, teaching and all that was great. There became many, many, many other places around it where where it was not like that. Where I recognized that others could turn on a dime and uh, you know see something that I hadn't seen. I was I was very much ADHD in terms of I'm here, I'm now or not now, right? So. I think the sense I had was, I've always been different. I know I'm different, but there are more people here who are different kind of like with me. Um, and then came the point where uh, a lot of things fell away. There was uh, economic downturn, uh, all kinds of stuff in my own life and the work stopped. And as any entrepreneur knows, um, when the work stops, uh your momentum kind of stops and it was then that in my in my effort to, to to create something right to to um use this time productively because that's how i'd learned you know to look mm-hmm. at things um i couldn't do it and and in fact i can remember I remember those days as foggy so foggy I I would have great intentions couldn't pull it off would almost put my head down <clears throat> and go to sleep it wasn't just procrastinating it was just being almost deactivated mm-hmm. and then two friends in my life who knew something about ADHD independently observed that perhaps perhaps that was something I'd want to look into
0: mm-hmm. and
2: thank 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 goodness for them, because i that's when I actually decided, okay, I know almost nothing about that. I'm not even sure I believe it, because I came from, I didn't come from anywhere where I didn't have family that would believe in that. I had a brother who was a medical doctor, an MD at that point, who is as ADHD as they come, and he didn't believe in it, <laughs> so
0: I wasn't an easy sell.
1: Yeah. I relate to that. I remember Uh I I was arguing with my family doctor on many uh, appointments. I didn't know that. Just do the questionnaire. I'm like, no, it's for (laughs) kids. I don't have it. And and what if I do have it? What do I do? I'm not hyper. Yes, that. But what what if I do? So what? what, what? Exactly. So I want to talk about that because thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and totally sharing. So there is that there's a, there's a lot of stigmas around it, but let, let's, let's kind of dissect this if, if we could together mm-hmm. in this time. And, um, and as, as my listeners are listening here, I think there'll be many more conversations to share because I'm always about, I need to talk about this a little bit more. Um, when it comes to, um, okay, somebody says you have it, you have an inkling, you have it, your child gets diagnosed. And as a parent, you look at your husband, you look at your wife, and you're like, okay, well, do we have it? Because it is genetic, people. It is genetic. And it's not made up. And it's not a USA thing. It's a global thing. My background is I'm Iranian, I'm Middle Eastern. So I wasn't, you know, born in US and, and have ADHD, and I live in Canada. So it has nothing to do with, with all of those things that are out there. It, it is a brain neurology. So, so let's just be about that. But then, so you have it. What do you do? And especially, so imagine Sherry, high functioning, doing all these amazing things, Silicon Valley, this and that. So, okay, there's a downturn in the economy, Sherry. So I'm going to like totally test you on this. So what? You can survive out of that. You can snap out of it. What does your brain have to do with it? And also being a coach, an executive coach and personal development, you know, you have your toolkit of things that you could be using, right? So, I mean, you know, I'm starting to sound squeaky, but here we go on. What's your problem? (laughs) What's the problem? Like, so then I I talk to people and say, well, Kathy, I don't want to do anything about it. I don't need to do anything about it. Mm And recently in a a podcast with uh, Dr. Hallowell, his podcast is called Distraction. If you haven't listened to him, please listen to Dr. Hallowell. But he talked about in a recent episode that you lose about 15 years of yourself when, when you don't do anything about it. And that was daunting for me because I was also late in life diagnosed. And there's no regret. There's no, I wish I could go back. I kind of made my peace with that. So. I guess where I'm going with this to Sherry is what would be your message to those that they have the indications, but they're just sitting on their hands doing nothing about it.
0: What are some of the thoughts you have? <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I think that it makes perfect sense period that something's got to become missing wanting, Annoying,
2: irritating—something's um, just got to become not okay. Typically, for us to 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 stand up, make a significant change. Mm-hmm. I think what's so hard about about ADHD is that, as you said, Kathy, it, it's real. It's a neurological condition. None of these things are 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 in dispute anymore. It's challenging to get the word out because, let's face it, until it's in your world. You don't try to dig in and really understand what's real. So I think the message I, I have right now is uh, I, I have regretted. There was a time I can remember thinking, wow, I don't think this is a gift. You know, the whole ADHD is a yeah. gift. Yeah, everything's a gift. There was a period where I thought, well, I'm a coach and I'm helping people really, but I'm not sure I'm buying that, that this is a gift. Yep. and 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 now I'm actually authentically legitimately on the complete other side of that saying, oh it's a gift it's a gift it's not a gift I would change or trade but I feel that most assuredly because of all that I have opened up to learned and now understand and I think maybe the core as I do a verbal processing ADHD thing I think the core is that without my really d- diving into understanding my brain i don't think i could be connected up to fulfillment the way i am today oh
0: thank you uh, you said you asked something earlier i think the planet
2: it um you know i have lots of tools in my toolkit so what right things change yeah you know you can be you could be um uh agile you know go do something the truth was, technically, that was all right. That's true, technically, from a from an activating, um, stepping up and wanting to do it. And we can all say, well, we do things we don't want to do, if this is your brain and you really don't want to, and it's just a thing that you think you should do or it makes it makes sense to do, um, it will be very hard because interest for the ADHD brain is everything. Interest is what ignites interest, and it doesn't mean you have to love everything in the world. But everybody listening to this, who's ever seen a child, or they've been the one, right, who can perform beautifully, brilliantly in one arena, only to turn around and feel like an abject failure in mm-hmm. another. There it is. It, it, it's not saying it's not um, saying you have to change completely. But wow, the knowledge about how living a fulfilling happy life, one that's that's true to you, how that has connected
1: up to my ADHD blow, kind of blows my own mind. Amazing. Thank you for that. And so many things come up for me as you say that. Um, the understanding of, the, of our neurology, for example, for me, was the days where I would be going so fast and so hard, and then I would have crash days. Yes. And to me, those crash days for the longest time before I knew about my brain were very shameful uh, because I would feel like, oh my God, I should still be going. Why am I not going? And it was because my brain just couldn't keep up anymore, right? It needed to recharge. It was, it's a battery that needs to recharge. Mm-hmm. And now when I have those days of crash and burn, it's not a crash and burn. It's a rest and recharge so that I'm nicer to myself. So that self-compassion comes in. But back in the corporate days, I think we get so caught up, especially, especially if you're one that's thriving in your career, you're in there. You lucky you that you found the right career to fit in. Cause not all of us have, there's stats out there that a lot of people with ADHD can't keep a job for a long time. Uh, you know, they, they impulsively quit all of that stuff, right? But for some of us that stayed long term in certain things, it does catch up to you. And it can catch up to you. And I've seen it happen for some people where they're at that peak of their career and they're about to push to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that next level is something else that you haven't experienced before. And it's are you ready for it? And that internal inner critic starts to come in going, well, and, and this is for me, it's when you don't know your brain that you start comparing yourself to other executives where, oh, how come so-and-so can keep it together so well? How come this person in board meetings is really quiet and, and you know, every time they speak, smart, but I can't keep my mouth shut and I'm interrupting all the time and I'm speaking on my own experience, right? So it's those times. And even if you have a coach, if, even if you've had an executive coach, a leadership coach, if they don't understand your brain neurology
0: mm-hmm.
1: now imagine how mm-hmm. can they work with you to develop you to the next level of your best self that's it aid and talk about that please share with me around the adhd coaching that comes mm-hmm. that, because you've done executive coaching without the add side and now it's the add side so what's the difference in your clientele with when you're working with an executive
2: yeah, difference in the clientele is not, um, I, let's see, I, I think the main difference is that I now have awareness, knowledge, and an understanding of how freaking brilliant the ADHDers are, mm-hmm. how much there is to still cut loose, how with every one of them, if they can build their own pattern of succeeding, they can be little, they can be small, or they can be big, doesn't matter, but. What you were just describing, Kathy, that sense of, ooh, this is where when I hear the smart thing said succinctly, ooh, that person just, you know, did a hundred things at once and it all, that's where the comparison, I think, starts to starts to just, it's like seeding the imposter. It just yeah. puts the, it's like laying down the ground, right? For this imposterish sense that I'm not sure I can pull that off in another arena or it's costing me like like we were just it's costing a lot to pull it off um so to me the the to your question the biggest difference is that when i coached people who i as i said felt to me very much like me even though i didn't have a word for it then i I know i was always coaching them from a alignment place you know like coming up next to you paying attention to emotions you know really looking at how's this person see the world <clears throat> you would think that that happens with everybody but the truth is that when you're a neurotypical person and you're coaching the whole idea of coaching being forwarding you right where are you what's in the way how are we going to lay a plan that you're motivated about to help you well a neurotypical can even though they may not love those steps in between if they want the outcome saying you know I can plug my nose and do this and I'll be back on the call next week coach and I'll tell you how it went mm-hmm. the the difference for me now is I know with an ADHD lens as a coach it's not it's not that it, everybody's got to be that but by having that lens I know that you and I are going to have to connect up real real close to why something matters which of our our strengths and our passions does it really use um, that stuff matters and we have to be out loud about it. we have to ground it so we can remember it because working memory will typically whip us right back into whatever we've gotten good at putting out there and if i've gotten good at faking it well, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna drop back into that so we're building i think we're building authenticity That sounds so like cheesy, but I mean it. From a, I've really got to understand this brain because if I understand it, wow, I can be its best friend. Yeah, fulfillment, etc. Like knowing what my knowing my natural kind of boundaries. Like you said, Kathy, putting it out there and then, like you know, like what the recovery looks like. Mm -hmm. What it's hard for us to see then when that's happening is that what we just put out there was pretty great <laughs> it was pretty great would you like to have it be different <clears throat> sure and you can do some things to figure out pacing you know that can happen on the other side you know painters artists you know songwriters um so much of the the creative brain that's out there isn't isn't operating by turning in a nice you know eight hours every day or 20 or 10 or 12 mm-hmm. so, so there's a way to also embrace. How do I do that particular thing? And why is that thing important to me? Um, Even if people around me aren't sure what I'm, you know, (laughs) why it matters so much. As an ADHD coach, as you know, you're going to pay a lot of attention to it. You're going to shine light on it.
1: Yeah, which is amazing because then one thing I noticed for myself, for the people that I've worked with, once you get it, then it kind of sticks in your brain. And it it doesn't go away because the experience is so profound that that it just really sticks. So not only are we brilliant in that, but we're highly coachable. I find um, yeah. is it, it's, it's because we're so hungry to learn. It's like there's got to be an easier way to do this than, a, than my struggles. Um, we're that much, you know, more keener to be a good student and a good coachee, and and. And and then once it's done, it's done. So one of the things yeah. that I always tell people is as much as I believe like coaching for life, because I, I always feel like I need to have a coach, <laughs> uh, because there's different things that happen in life. Yeah. But certain techniques, once you build those muscles, they're permanent. They kind of stay there and you can tap into them. I agree. Where- I agree. Go ahead. Yeah. Just, uh,
2: just that it may sound like, like, like we are that the a d h d is uh a pushover, right, but but they're the furthest from being a pushover. Mm-hmm. I find because there's so much rigor that life has required to hear someone say, "Be positive, you know, say this positive and i and you and I have talked about positive. I love it. I just felt for a period of my life like if anybody told me to be positive one more time, mm-hmm. that it would just be me showing you. That I can do like a circus act and I can act positive, but it it wasn't in me then yet to understand what's this imposter piece that feels like I have to do things so differently and I can't, and I I don't feel like I can tell you about it because I'm sure you're going to look at me weird. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure how I would describe it because we tend not to be out loud about that until we're in the company of
0: safe people like a coach, like, You know, tribe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and to really break it down and dissect it, and kind of pull it apart and say what is this, and compartmentalize because people, one of the things we don't do very well is compartmentalizing. (laughs) It's all a big mess in here, (laughs) and imagine a jigsaw puzzle that hasn't that you really can't put together till you start collaborating with someone. Whether it's a loved one that is there for you without judgment, whether it's a coach. Whether it's a mentor at your work, but also at the end of all of that is, uh, sorry, I want to go back to the idea about positive thinking and affirmations and discipline and habits. You know, there's books on habits and goal setting and all the Brian Tracy books there, like bless his heart with all of his books. I've got them all. Right. And I mean, you taught some of this stuff, but until... You really understand the neurology of your brain, which I think I don't know how many times I've said this in this session. It's it won't make sense till it makes sense for you, uh, you know, through your brain and understanding. Okay, this is happening for this reason. So for the longest time, I couldn't meditate if my life depended. And I wanted to meditate this certain way that everybody else was meditating, which is to sit still and be quiet and be with your thoughts and you know let them run through. And till to, to recently that I found, oh, okay, I need guided meditation. And I've talked about in the past about this is the, I need somebody chirping in my ear and kind of walking me through it as my mind wanders off. It brings it back. But even that, to get to that, when you're all over the place with everything that's going on, how do you pick and choose the right technique? Because there's so many things and you're, full of self-help books and YouTube videos because I know you want to find yourself because that we all have done that. Who am I? That's the biggest theme that I hear across ADHD. Who am I? And especially to take it even further coming from different backgrounds. I grew up in Canada. I had that cultural difference, even though I was born in middle East. So that even affected me around Who am I culturally? You know, am I Canadian? Am I this, that, the other? So imagine all of that in your head. And then let me add a little bit more. Not all of us have come from, uh, you know, safe families. I mean, not myself, but others, the stories that I hear around traumatic brain and the trauma that some of us have gone through. So add all of that. And then you're this resilient, kick-ass person. So add that on top of it. So you you got a bit of a thing going on here, right? So and and I'm sure Sherry you you can you've heard that in some of your clients. And what do you say to that when you see some of these superstars with this much gift, but that
0: much baggage, if I could say right? Well, I I think that's
2: why y- y- you've it, it naturally said. It's a brain thing, people, so many times in this in this conversation. I feel the same need. Like I need to never be out there educating or teaching or even coaching without at least touching on one more thing that is fact based about this. It's not your imagination. And while you were talking, Kathy, one thing that came up for me was as those fur balls or hair balls or whatever you want to call it as that stuff gets bigger like we collect more self help stuff we listen to more people's way that they did it um for me th- there've been times when that's been effective i think it's p- probably been most effective when i needed to turn around and teach it
1: mm-hmm. because then
2: i needed to distill but distilling not exactly a a a uh you know a daily um uh, Uh, strength for this brain distilling means taking some things out (laughs) so what i've always discovered with others and for myself is when something's become really big and and fuzzy and we just think it's globe it's such a huge thing it it's so important like you said to find who who's the person i respect and trust that i can just be out loud with about this because what i find adhders find you know maybe a quarter of the way into that conversation is that this is actually not as complex as it was feeling because now your your words your emotions excuse me your thoughts they're coming out and because they're out you're finally able to see them too you're not you're not holding your inside and comparing it to somebody's outside anymore you're seeing the for what it is um and that's why believing that this is real and neurological and that when other people plan, use executive function, that there are there are certain neurochemicals that go to the right place to make that happen. And in our brains, that doesn't necessarily happen that way. So a coach coming alongside you, someone who cares about you, whoever that is, who can help you accept and embrace the fact that Wow, you know what? This brain works beautifully. It just works differently. Nice. Just different, right? It's just different. And I don't know if I answered your question whatsoever. Oh, no,
1: you did. You did. No, it's good. Can I,
2: can I say one more one more thing, Kathy? Yes. You said, you, you said something about uh I can't remember, but I wrote the word goals because in my experience a dirty word mm-hmm. for eight years is let's set a goal now. Yes. Oh, put me to sleep. Just put me. I, um, and, and so why, why would you also want to be in conversation with somebody who understands your brain? Because, you know, when you have an ADHD lens on the world, you, you understand what are the words, what's the vocabulary that, that just is like an anesthesia. (laughs) It's it's not going to help. It's not going to help this person. So you listen differently, you know, for what is theirs and how does their brain sit up and bloom?
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. So Sherry, with this amazing conversation that I want to keep talking, but then I know I'll lose the attention of our (laughs) audience. (laughs) So we'll do others. But uh, is there any parting thoughts that you have for those that are climbing that, that success ladder? And they have a little bit of an inkling. I mean, they're listening to this podcast. Maybe they've done something about their ADHD. Maybe they haven't. What kind of parting thoughts do you have for them?
0: Um, my parting thought is uh, ADHD is real. If you're
2: if you've listened to what we've been talking about, and you're still here, and you're you're resonating, then give yourself the the gift of learning something that's real and tangible and and truthful about it and don't get caught. Don't get caught by the societal, you know, things, of we're all ADHD wrong. It's not true, (laughs) you know, everybody relates to some degree. So make one step, one step to learn something real. Um, you and I can talk, I mean, I think you're going to share some ways, right, Kathy? Yeah. 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 But you have, but the other thing I guess is just w- we don't do this kind of stuff for ourselves until we're willing to start being as loving with ourselves as, as ADDers typically are with other people. Yeah. Um, I just missed that for such a long time, you know, right along with the positive stuff was self, self compassion. Yeah. And it's true. You really can't be kinder to anyone else than you are to yourself. So, um, you know, I would just say if you can't do that in this moment, just, just remember, it, it's it's where you'll flourish. So mm-hmm. learn, learn, and and come join your tribe.
1: <laughs> awesome, thank you. And speaking of that tribe, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. But just wanted to mention for those of you that haven't checked out the Attitude they attitudemag.com, they they have a whole bunch of resources, bunch a bunch of resources that that you can go in there and tap into and read and. No more. There's YouTube videos on on different topics on ADHD, uh, which I'll also put in show notes. There is, um, what was that tool that you mentioned that they could do a little assessment? So it's the,
2: um, it's the ADHD self-reporting, so it's the ASRA. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that if you went to Attitude, if you went to the Attitude Mag site and typed it into search, I think you'd come up with it.
1: Yeah, I think I, that's where I've I've done it. And actually, I do it with some of my friends who are like, uh, oh, let me see. I probably have it too. And then when they do, the percentile that they get, is like so little. I'm like, see, you don't have it. Shush. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, and also, you can find, yeah, and you can find Sherry's, um, more information on Sherry and how to get a hold of her on www.beyondthebellcurve.life. And I'll put that in the, uh, show notes as well and you can always connect with me on LinkedIn at Kathy Rashidian or follow me on Instagram on proudly ADHD underscore coach Kathy so I thank you Sherry for for being an amazing guest on this episode and sharing all of your amazing knowledge and experience and what a journey I uh, you, uh, you inspire me every time that we speak so thank you so much for your time And until the next episode, keep on shining, my friends.